In the following live session recording, Bill Emiot, children's pastor with First Baptist Church of Houston, Texas, leads the session entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? The average adult vocabulary is about 60,000 words. We use those words to form hundreds and thousands of messages. Some are simple messages with big impact. In this session, participants will consider six phrases that kids need to hear to help them become the person God created them to be. Let's join Bill now. Um, I, I'm thankful for this opportunity. I have uh, a special place in my heart for Georgia. I was born and raised in Atlanta and grew up in College Park. I um, uh, served here in, in Georgia for 14 years, two different churches, seven years, one in Douglas County and one in Bartow County, and um, then moved to Nashville. And before, uh, when I got to Nashville, I did something unique. I joined a church. I say that's unique because it was the first time I'd ever chosen a church. My parents had chosen my churches for me, and then churches started choosing me. And then I was at Lifeway looking for a church and found First Baptist Nashville, which is a wonderful church with an incredible um, pastor and ministry there. And I taught in third grade, second, third, or fourth grade for the whole time I was at, um, in Nashville. A couple weeks ago, I did join the staff at Houston's First Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, as opposed to Houston, Georgia. Um, but uh, only you guys would think that's funny, because when I say it to them, they think we're crazy. But it's Houston, isn't it? I think it is. Um, but uh, I've been there two weeks, and I'm going full blast and uh, tell people drinking from a fire hydrant you know I'm loving what God is uh, allowing me to do this season in my life today I want us to talk a little bit about words that kids hear they tell us that it takes five positive words to make up for one negative word that a child might hear so we're going to start our time off today thinking about positive and negative words. I'm going to give each of you two index cards. I want you to write on them, one of those, a positive thing that you might say to a child in your Bible study class tomorrow. And then on the other one, I want you to say a negative thing that someone else, not you, because you wouldn't say negative things, right, to your kids, but something negative that might could be said, like, would you sit down, you crazy little child? Or, you know, that wouldn't be positive. So put something negative that a child might hear in, your, in a Sunday school classroom, and then I want you to put something negative that a child might hear. You don't have to put your name, and you don't have to admit that you wrote it, but would you please print so that I can read it? Because we're going to play a little bit of a game with that in just a second. So take a minute, take just a 30 seconds, a positive note, a positive message that a child might hear and a negative message that a child might hear in a, a church setting. And when you get that done, I'm going to have you put them in this bag right here. So just if you're done, you just drop them in. Nobody's looking. I'm not looking. If you're not done, that's okay. The Lord's still working on the AV, right? I'm sure he is. All right, all right, all right. Just drop them in. Two negative, one negative and one positive thing a child might hear in your classroom, in a classroom, not yours. One negative, one positive. Right? One negative, one positive. What did I say? <laughs> one negative, one positive. And again, nobody's going to see them. Nobody's going to know you wrote them or that you would ever even consider saying any of those things. Okay. Got it? For the most part. All right. So I want us to play a little bit of play. I need a friend to come up here who's willing to help. Anybody. You don't have to do anything except take steps. Anybody want to come? All right. I need you to start right about here. That'll be where you stand. I'm going to pull out face the other way. I'm, what you're trying to do is to get to Miss Linda. We're going to see how much, how long it takes you to get to Linda. And what I'm going to do is pull out one of these, uh, one of these statements. If it's a positive statement, you get to take one giant step towards Miss Linda. If it's a negative statement, 
you get to take five baby steps back. We're not even going to make them equal, even though they really are equal. We're going to see how long it takes you to get to Miss Linda. Are you ready? The first one is... You can't read. Positive or negative? Three, four, five. All right. I've heard people say that to children before, and that's not a positive statement. What about you are a treasure? That is a positive statement. <laughs> you, you are a treasure. All right. What about this one? Why don't you ever understand? Negative. She may never get there. All right, here we go. What about, please listen. They did say please. <laughs> but I think it's implying that you didn't listen. One, two, three, four, five. Those are really tiny baby steps. All right. You're, you talk too much. Dude, look, those are getting real tiny. Four or five. All right. Oh my goodness. You're stupid. Sit down and shut up. That's at least five. My goodness. Did y'all put any good ones in here? Don't be so loud. All right. Here we go. God made you beautiful. <laughs> She's back to where she started. And how many are we in? We're into five, six. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven cards in. And she's just back where she started. All right. Here we go. You are special to me and to God. All right. Good job. God is so disappointed in you. Oh my God. <laughs> you think somebody actually would say that? Alright. Great answer. Awesome. She's going to get there yet. God wants what's best for you. I'll take that one as a positive. I think you could use it in a variety of different ways. What about this one? Good question. Alright. Instead of, why do you ask so many questions? <laughs> why do you always do that? Uh-oh, she's going back again. The next one is, stop talking, stupid. I promise they wrote that. <laughs> Nobody would say that, though, right? All right, here's another one. You did so good on that. There she goes. You are crazy. Look, those are some tiny steps. Good job. Good job. All right. I wish you would sit still and listen. Back it up. We've talked about this before, and you still haven't learned it. See, it's going to be a good one. I can feel it. You did a great job reading that story. She's almost there. She's almost there. I love how you always are a good listener. Yay! Good job, and you may be seated. Now, here's the point. One, two... 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 statements that it took for her to get just from here to there. Five positive statements for every negative to make up the difference. Five positive statements for every negative to make up the difference. And yet the boys and girls in our class may not be hearing those good statements. They may not be hearing those good statements. So today I'd like for us to talk about some of the good statements that we need to be sharing with boys and girls. Can you hear me now? 
is the name of our topic. And there's some really good videos in here. Can you hear me now? And this is as loud as it gets. Can you hear me now? How do you build America's Good. largest wireless network? Can you hear me now? Good. By never being satisfied. Can you hear me now? Good. Until no matter where you go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Your call goes through. Can you hear me now? Good. Verizon Wireless. Can you hear that at all? So it's worth. it was worth it? Um, what would Mr. President say? Have you seen the kids' president? What would he say about words that boys and girls need to hear? Twenty things we should say more often. Number twenty. Thank you. And not just on Thanksgiving every day. Number nineteen. Excuse me. Number eighteen. Here's a surprise corn dog that I bought you because you're my friend. There'll be more corn dogs. And more happy people. This is a good idea. Corn dog for you, corn dog for you, corn dog for you. Number 17, I'm sorry. Number 16, I forgive you. Number 15, you can do it. But don't say it if it's something they can't do. Number 14, another thing that we should say more often. I have barbecue sauce on my shirt too. Before you say something, I left the barbecue sauce on somebody else's shirt. Take a look at the barbecue sauce on your own shirt. Number 13, please. Number 12, everything is going to be okay. Number 11, oh, you got me a corn dog too? You shouldn't have, buddy. Number 10, I don't know. I know a lot of people who need to say that. My sister. <laughs> Number 9, you're so awesome, I named my dog after you. Oh, really? That could hurt so much. <laughs> something nice to say, you might not be thinking hard enough. I've identified six phrases that I think kids need to hear and that would help them be who God has made them to be. And so today, I want us to talk about those six phrases. Let's pray and keep going. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have to given us to be with boys and girls and to teach boys and girls and to influence boys and girls. God, these next few minutes together, I pray that you'd allow us to think through some of the things that, that we say to boys and girls and maybe some of the things that we're not saying to them that we should be saying. God, I pray that you'd help us to hear a word from you that you've prepared for us today. In Christ's name, amen. All right, number one, kids need to know that they believe, that you believe in them. I believe in you. Every child needs to feel valued. Every child needs to be accepted and they need to hear that somebody believes in them. When significant adults believe in you, you begin to believe in yourself. I believe in you. I believe in you. It helps build lasting and personal confidence. Kids need to hear that. So how can we do that in our classroom? We need to ask the question, what just happened that's worth noticing? 
What just happened that's worth noticing? Those moments when you see a child display fresh and emerging character qualities, are you even aware that they did it? We need to em embellish, we need to include, I should say, we need to include the railroad crossing motto in our Sunday school classrooms to stop, look, and listen at what's going on. And I'm afraid that we get so busy in what it is that we're doing that we don't even notice when boys and girls are doing good things, things that we can encourage them with and we can say, I really believe in you. We need to catch a child doing good. Capture the opportunity to let them know, I believe in you. Sometimes it may even require that we look for help, that we look for other people to help us. A few years ago, we had finished either second or third grade because I had this. I went up with this class. I think it was second grade, and I had a little boy in my class. His name's Adam, and Adam was—he could grate on your nerve. He really could grate on your nerve, and he—he—he—he he, he, he really struggled if he didn't get his way if his team didn't win if we were playing a team game he would literally throw himself on the floor and do it and have a temper tantrum and i'm just going to tell you god didn't call me to like adam he called me to love him though he called me to love him but i didn't like him too much the last day of second grade i needed a substitute to work with me my, my regular teacher was not going to be there, and so uh, Caleb, who was our intern that summer in, at our church in the children's area, he agreed to come and teach. So I thought I, I needed to call Caleb, and I needed to talk with Caleb, and I needed to have a conversation to warn him about Adam. So I call him up, we talk a little bit about the session, we get ready to, we're getting ready to teach together, and I said, listen, I need to talk to you about Adam. And he said, oh, I love Adam. Adam is the coolest kid. And he started telling me all of the neat things about Adam that I had not seen. I had not seen. Sometimes other people see the kids that drive you nuts differently than you see them. And we need to maybe ask for help so that we can see what's happening in the classroom that's worth noticing. Kids need to know that you believe in them. The other question is not just what happened, what could happen. We need to expect the best. Sometimes we never see the good because we're always looking for the bad. I couldn't see the good in Adam because I was looking every Sunday for the bad. We need to look for ways to trust boys and girls. We need to look for ways to say, I believe in you. And then demonstrate that trust. Tell them that you trust them. Express belief publicly in front of their parents that you trust them. Um, I had a little boy in my class several years ago named Jackson. And Jackson was a problem. Jackson was a problem. He cut other people's hair when we weren't looking. We, he... He was always trying to get in a fight with somebody. He did stab a little girl in the thigh with a pencil in Sunday school. So I'm always having to call Jackson's mom. And I'm saying, Jackson was a problem today, and this is what happened. And I would, I'd have to tell her, that, oh, I need to talk to you after Sunday school. I need to tell you some things. And I remember one Sunday, Jackson, I, I tell everybody all the the um, uh, planets must have lined up at the same Sunday because he was really good that day. He was really good that day. And it occurred to me as we were dismissing the boys and girls to their parents that I probably should say something nice to um, his mom about Jackson's behavior because I was always telling her all the bad things. And that particular Sunday, she comes um, rolling in uh, earlier into the pickup line. And I said, I after everybody's gone, I need to talk with you about something. And she just, she just fell. And I thought, no, this is good. This is really, really good. And so after they left, in front of Jackson, I said to, her, to Suzanne, his mom, you need to know what a good boy Jackson was today. Everything we asked him to do, he, he did right. If he started, his behavior started going, he would, we would correct him, he would take the correction. He'd move in the right direction. She started bawling. She was bawling. 
And I said, Suzanne, this is good news. <laughs> she said, Bill, you're the first person who's ever told me that my child was good. And I felt really badly about that because he'd been in my class at this point six or seven months and I had never said anything like that to her either. Boys and girls need the opportunity to hear you express publicly and in front of their parents that they're good, that they've done a good job and you believe that next week it's gonna even be better. I think we can ask a child's opinion about things. We're ask, we're, we're saying I believe in you and I would like your opinion. Um, a long time ago now, 17 plus years ago, I was getting ready to leave um, Cartersville to go, I was contemplating leaving Cartersville to go to Lifeway, and um, my then 10-year-old nephew, Kyle, who's now 27, he um, used to, we used to talk on the phone all the time. He lives in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and we would call a lot and talk to each other, and, and I just enjoyed talking to him, and he, he was, he would have grown-up kinds of conversations with him so one day I was telling him I just really need you to pray with me because I'm trying to figure out if this is what I'm supposed to do and it was a long conversation apparently his father was in the room while we were talking on the phone and he was hearing just one side of the conversation and we got off the phone and my phone rang back that was back when it was attached to the wall and I went and got the telephone and it was my it was Kyle's father and I, Kyle said, uh, Ken said, what in the world were y'all talking about? And I said, well, you know, I was telling him about, I was thinking about moving to Nashville and, and um, he said, well, I just wondered, because when he got off the phone, I asked him, I said, what is it that y'all were talking about? And he told me, he said, Uncle Bill needed some help making a life-changing decision. <laughs> and I thought, we it's, Showing a child that you value who they are, that their opinion matters, that they, that they you believe in them. The question is, who believed in you? Who believed in you? Um, my dad passed away eight summers ago, um, and I, I, one of the things that he used to say about me in front of me that made me very uncomfortable um, because it was kind of like, what God said about Jesus. <laughs> he used to introduce me to my friend, to his friends as this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, not the same. But my dad believed in me. He didn't always agree with everything I did and every decision I made, but he believed in me. He believed in me. Are the kids in your class convinced that you truly believe in them? I've got a soccer ball there because that helps me, reminds me of this conversation and of this point that um, I need, you need, we need to believe in the boys and girls. Um, Reed is my 12-year-old nephew now, but for some reason, unbeknownst to me, and I didn't, still haven't figured it out, when he was three, his parents decided it would be helpful or it would be good for him to be in Little League Soccer 3. He did not want to be on the soccer field. He would not, you could not make him. You couldn't talk him into it. You could not bribe him. Chuck E. Cheese didn't work. Nothing worked. He would not go out on the soccer field. And I remember one, one Saturday, I decided I would go to the game. You know, that's what good uncles do. So I'm up there, and we're on the sideline, and he's not having anything to do with it. He won't leave the... Um, the, his parents and I was sitting there in our little chairs. He would not leave the sideline and go play soccer. None of the others were playing soccer, but they were out there. If you've ever been to a three-year-old soccer game, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember um, him saying, um, I said, I don't know why, I am not athletic. I, that's not who I am. But I remember saying to him, if I go out there, will you go? Now, first of all, I don't know anything about soccer. Second of all, I'm not the daddy. And he said, if you'll go, I'll go. And I've thought a lot about that over the years because now he is like on travel soccer. He is going at it. Soccer is his life at some level. He is very, very good at soccer. Now, I don't think I made him good at soccer, but I, I will take credit for getting him out there the first time because I believed in him. I believed in him, and I think we have to do that. You know, a child will be more likely to trust that God believes in them when they feel confident that you believe in them. 
when you believe in them and they're confident that you believe in them, they're going to be more likely to believe that God believes in them and feel that confidence. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I believe in you. All right. Can you hear me now? Good. Number two, kids need to hear, you can count on me. Children are desperately looking for something to hang their hat on. We can help to grow confidence and stability in a child's life when they believe they can count on us. They need to be able to count on you as a Bible study leader, as a Sunday school teacher, as a children's ministry leader, as an adult that, they, that cares about them. They need to know that they can count on you. They need to know that they can count on you to care. We may not always be able to make their troubles go away, but the promise that you, of your presence and concern can ease the pain. We need, they need to be able to count on you, that you genuinely care about them. They need to be able to count on you to be present. Possibly the most powerful way to show that you care, the most powerful way to establish yourself as someone that they can count on is to be there, is to be there. And I think, unfortunately, that we're seeing a lot of our churches move to a point where we're not consistently there anymore. I'll volunteer once a month. That is not the consistency that boys and girls need to hear or need to sense, to, need to have in order to sense that they can count on you. They need your presence. They need you to be there. Kids spell love T-I-M-E. And when you give them that time, they know that you care. They can count on you. One of the hardest days of my ministry was on April 7th, 1998. I got a phone call from my pastor at that time, and he said, you need to meet me at this house. He told me where to go. He said, we need to get there as soon as possible. I said, what's going on? He said, it's a tragedy and Stephanie and Ori's mother's dead. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I get in the car and I go to their house. I didn't know what I was going to come up on. I don't know what I was going to find. And what, we, what I did find is that Stephanie and Ori's mother had committed suicide. And the kids found her. It was horrible. For weeks and weeks and weeks, we talked with those kids. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, they struggled. And I suspect they're still struggling at some level, even today. And they, the, the oldest one really pulled away from everybody, including their father, who was grieving too in his own right. And he, in order to do that, he would pull away from them. And so one day in conversations with her um, and talking with, with Stephanie, I, we, I, I asked her why was she scared to be away from her father. She, wouldn't want, she didn't want him to go anywhere and he needed to go away and do some things. He needed to deal with his own grief and she wouldn't let him be out of her she couldn't go to school she said I'm afraid he's going to leave me too we can be there as Sunday school teachers we realized that our role was not to fix it because we could not fix it but our part of the whole story with this tragedy was to be there for them to be there for Stephanie, and we would take turns. Um, the ladies of the of the of the children's ministry, the volunteers and the children, would take turns being there for her. And over the years, um, I know that Sunday school teachers took her to places her daddy didn't feel comfortable taking her to the daughter, mother daughter luncheons and things at the church. They were there for them for her. Stephanie needed their presence. And boys and girls in our world today know that, need to know that you can count on them. And they learn that through, they need to be able to count on you by your presence. Count on you to be present. They need to count on you to support them. 
the good days and the bad days. And as Bible study leaders, we often want to celebrate all the good things, and then we kind of not there for the bad things. We need to be there for the good and the bad. They need to be able to count on us to understand, understand who they are and what's going on in their world. And they need to be able to count us to keep our commitments. Keep your word. It's a really big deal to kids. Don't tell them you're going to do something and then not do it. They need to know that they can count on you. You can count on me. Do the kids believe that they can count on you? Do the kids in your Sunday school class tomorrow believe that they can count on you to be there? I put a hand out here that reminds me that you can count on me. We've got what? The first one is a soccer ball. What does it mean? I believe in you. The second one is, say it with me, you can count on me. You can count on me. When reliability exists in a child's life, the leap to trusting God becomes an easier step for kids to make. You can count on me. Number three, words kids need to hear. I treasure you. I treasure you. I think somebody had that on one of the cards. I was kind of surprised when I saw it. I treasure you. Children need to feel precious. They need to feel treasured. They need to feel prized, cherished, valued, worthy. They need to know that they're treasured. Those who feel worthy are more likely to respect the worth of others. They need to feel worthy. Three strategies for this. Number one, keep it simple. The little things really do mean a lot to kids. The little things really do mean a lot to kid. kids. Short, simple messages over time become a part of a child's intentional belief system. So we need to keep short, simple messages going to them. I believe in you. I love you. I treasure you. All these things, short and simple. Number two, time and attention. Love really is spelt T-I-M-E. I had a little boy um, who was a struggle, Justin. Justin came to my uh, parents, came to me. They struggled with Justin. To be honest with you, I struggled a little bit with Justin. And we agreed that Justin would come and hang out with Mr. Bill um, on Wednesday afternoons before we had Wednesday midweek services. And we'd just get to know each other and we'd talk some to each other. And so when Justin would come, I had a few board games in my office, and we'd sit on the floor, and we'd play board games, and we would, we would um, just talk. So after a little while, when we were talking, I, I, I got to some point with him. I don't even remember if, what question I asked him or if I even asked him a question, but I remember what he said to me that day. I wish my parents wanted to hang out with me like you do. I thought, bingo. Here's the struggle. I told the parents. They never sent him back after I told them that. But Justin needed time and attention. There are some kids in your ministry who are attention seekers. They want to be the center of attention. That's just kind of in their DNA. That's who God made them to be. And what do we do? We try to suppress that in them. You know, I've often said to parents and to teachers, the very thing that irritates you the most about your child may be the thing God wants to use them for eternal glory. You know, I was that I was that child. I needed extra attention growing up. My nephew Will is that child. He needs extra attention growing up. And I keep telling his mom and dad the very thing, this thing that makes you crazy, may very well be the thing that God uses for their success. Here I stand with every eye looking at me. I was an attention-seeking child too. We need to look past maybe the problems that are in front of us and we need to let them know I treasure you and I want to spend time with you I want to give you the attention that you need number three on this strategy is keep it personal keep it personal one size does not fit all we need to get to know the kids if you're still calling all the girls cutie and all the boys buddy then you've not you need to work on knowing their name getting to know them know their name making it personal get to know the kids most kids are perfectly ordinary and we need to be good with that and we need to treasure their ordinarisms 
I think I just made that up. <laughs> Their ordinarinesses. All right. Do the children, huh? All of them. All of them, yeah. Do the children in your classroom feel treasured by you? I've got a treasure box there to remind me that children need to hear these simple words, I treasure you. When a child feels cherished and treasured, the leap to believing that he is treasured by God is a much shorter jump. We need to tell the persons that we have in our classroom, I treasure you. I treasure you. Look to the person on the other side and say, I treasure you. We all need to hear these words. We all need these hear these words. You are treasured. Number next. Sorry, please forgive me. If you spend any time with anyone and are human, you'll eventually need to apologize for something. That's just the truth. I'm not talking about a flippant, sorry about that, but I'm talking about an authentic apology. Children develop the ability to authentically apologize when they know how it feels to receive an authentic apology. Children have never been good at listening to their parents. They've never been good at listening to adults, but they have never failed to imitate them. So when they see you genuinely apologize for something that's needs to be apologized for. That's teaching them how to be that same person. Kids learn more by what they see you do than they'll ever learn by what they hear you say. So we need to be apologetic when it's appropriate. Uh, Kyle, my 27-year-old nephew, had a brother who's 13 months younger than him. Kevin has a brother who's 13 months uh, actually 11 months younger than him, Kevin. And Kevin was in second grade when he began to struggle with math homework. Every night he would have all the math papers that he was supposed to have done in class plus the math homework handouts to do at home. And one night his father said out loud, I'm fixing to say something, so y'all ready? I'm just, I'm repeating it. I'm, my, his father said, I'm so damn tired of math. I didn't hear it. I didn't know anything about it. Or I'd have called him out. Because <laughs> I don't ever say those kinds of things when I'm frustrated. But the next day, Kevin went to school. And it was time for math. And he, he says to his teacher, I'm so tired of math. And this was at the Scottsdale Christian Academy. So they get a phone call. And mom has to go up to the school. Because second graders using language like that is not appropriate. So they get, she gets up to the school. She hears what's happened. She goes home. She did hear what had happened the night before. She has husband for dinner. She lets him have it. Later that night, Ken had to apologize to Kevin for what he had said. Now, there's all kinds of ways that we have to apologize to kids, but when we need to apologize, we really do need to apologize. I was telling you about Reed, the superstar, soccer superstar. He was an only child for about three years before his two siblings came to be a part of their family. They're um, all adopted and uh, Reed was um, adopted first and, and he was like everybody's child. And when he came, he came to, he, we were all working at Lifeway together at the time and when he would come to Lifeway, everybody parented him. And when he was at church, everybody loved him because we'd been praying for him for so long and we even had a flat version of him before they finally got him that we'd all take turns caring for him. You know, he had all these parents, but when his siblings came, his world was rocked and upside down. And I remember pulling him off to the side one day after he had really shown out, really shown out. And I said to him, I need to apologize to you. And he looked at me, why do you need to apologize? And he said, I said to him, because I've led you to believe that you're the center of the universe and you're not. There's all kinds of reasons why we need to legitimately apologize to the boys and girls that we may be working with. Maybe they're in your house. Maybe they're in your classroom on Sunday morning. 
We need to show humility. Children tend to treat people the way they're treated. And if we want to teach boys and girls humility, we need to show them humility. Everybody messes up sometime. And everybody has a reason they need to apologize. I would encourage you to not make excuses about it, though. Don't make excuses about it. Excuses weigh down an apology. It makes us sound like we're really not sorry at all. I would say keep your butt out of the apology. I'm sorry, but... That word diminishes the reality of the apology. I'm sorry, but you just infuriated me. You know, I'm sorry I yelled at you, but y'all shouldn't have acted that way. Are you sorry or are you not sorry? Keep your... Keep the butt out of your sorry. Here's five common sense points for apologies. Number one is be authentic. Apology based on authentic, based on an authentic desire. Mean it. Don't just say it, but mean it. I remember my mom used to say, you didn't mean that. She'd make me apologize to my sister for something. Well, you didn't mean it. Say it again. I'm like, I didn't mean it because I didn't feel it. Because <laughs> you told me I had to or I was going to get, you know grounded so but we need to mean it they need to sense kids need to understand authenticity they need to know you mean it be timely with your apologies apology apologies um, sometimes arrive too late to have full impact don't wait and I'm telling you if you're I believe you know when you should apologize if it's adults or if it's kids you know it the Holy Spirit convicts me almost instantly, and I can't, I can't let it go. You've got to get it done. And the longer you wait, the worse it is. Be clear and concise. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's not hard. It's five words that we all need to practice saying, not only to each other, but to our family and to our kids and those kids who we work with on Sunday morning. When it's needed, we need to say it. Number four, be brief. The effect of an apology diminishes with every syllable that follows. You need to be as brief as possible. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. There may be some conversation that needs to happen to make sure that we don't have this happen again. But at the end of the day, if you want an if you want to be forgiven, then you need to give a very brief, quick, sincere apology. And finally, say it no matter what. It might be easier to avoid it. And I do have a problem with that, to be honest with you. I, I have a PhD in passive aggressive. <laughs> um, but that's not helpful. Remember, we're trying to teach these boys and girls. And so as we teach them, we need to model proper behavior. Lasting impressions can be, um, can be made by how we handle ourselves in front of our kids. I love this next video, and I'm not sure you're going to be able to hear it, but here we go. Got another man out. Oh, Mom, it's your turn.
I love that clip, and I'm always looking for a place to show it. And it seemed appropriate because I want us to use this little bell, that little bell, as a reminder that how well do I model apologies and forgivenesses? How well do I model saying I'm sorry? When a child possesses healthy apology and forgiveness skills, he or she will be able to authentically approach God and confess sins and seek his forgiveness. When we model forgiveness, when we model apologies to the boys and girls, we're modeling at some level what Christ has done for them. And when they're able to accept an apology and ask for forgiveness, we're preparing them to ask for forgiveness for their sinfulness, for their sins, and accept God's free gift of Jesus Christ. We can do this. Can you hear me now? Number next. Kids need to hear the word no. <laughs> and I'm afraid they're not hearing the word no so much these days. Throughout the Bible, God gives us lots of no's. Not to limit us, really, but to bless us. And kids need to understand that. No is an acceptable answer. And sometimes it's a better answer than yes. No is a good answer. They don't have a lot of trouble saying it. As a matter of fact, many of them, that's their first word. My niece, uh, Suzanne, had a, has a little sister that was um, Irish twins, they call them. They were that close. I mean, it was quick. And um, for the first several weeks, almost maybe a couple months, um, Suzanne called her sister, no. She did not call her by her name. She called her no. And I think it's because all we said was no, no, no. Every time Suzanne was around Stephanie, it was no, no, no. She called the child no. There's <laughs> a picture of a dog and it says, hi, my name is Stop That. Sometimes they call me Get Back Here. <laughs> Stop that. Get back here. No. We say it all the time. Kids learn the word really quickly. It's one of their vocabulary words. But we need to teach them that what no really means. We need and we want kids to grow up to be able to say the word no. We need them to say no to drugs, no to alcohol, no to premarital sex, no to temptations, no to peers that may press or pressure them into doing things that they don't even want to do. And if we want them to be able to say no, we better be teaching them how to honor the word no so that they can use it when it's really important and be, and be better prepared to say it. No. Say it with me. No! no. <laughs> That's the most I've gotten out of us today. Um, when a child can hear and obey no, when a child can hear and obey no from an important adult, she's, she's likely to be able to do the same with God, who demonstrates his love by clearly articulating what we should not do. What we should not do. Is your no respected? Is your no effective? Can you hear me now? Finally, I want to end with this last set of words. I love you. Every child needs to know that he is genuinely loved. Every child needs to know that she is loved. Unconditional love, regardless of her assets, her liabilities, her handicaps, our expectations, how she acts in our classroom. She is loved. Unconditional love. Christ-like love. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You don't have to like them to love them. God has not called you to like the boys and girls in your class. But He commands that you love them. And many of the children will never see Jesus' love if they don't see it first through you. They will see you as Jesus' love. And if you don't show love, they're not going to get there. They won't be able to get there. We need to demonstrate I love you through our, through our actions.
Do the kids in your class believe that they're loved? Do they believe that they're loved? To the person next to you say, you are loved. Because they are loved. Children who hear in many different ways that they are loved are likely to find their own way to say it to others. If they hear it from us and from people who love them and people who they respect and people who they can count on and people who treasure them, that they're loved, they're going to learn how to express it in their own ways for other people. And someday they'll say it to their parents and someday they'll say it to their grandparents and someday they'll say it to their aunts and uncles and someday, hopefully, one day, they'll say it to God who loves them even more. You are loved. I love you. So let's review. We've got five of these up here now, or six, six of them up here. The first one is, what is it? I believe in you. You've got it on your note sheet. That's good though. Second one, you can count on me. Third one, I treasure you. Fourth one, Sorry. Fifth one. No. Sixth one. I love you. I love you. One last thing. Oh, and I got a bonus word for you. Something that we should say more often? Let's dance. <laughs> Maybe that's one we should add as number seven. Let's dance. I don't know where this finds you. I don't know where you find yourself in this idea. But I think this is something we need to think through a little bit. I think these are, these are words that we need to use more on Sunday morning at church. Words that we need to use more. And um, even philosophies or, or habits are, are things that we need to think through as we prepare and as we, are act with, uh, as we interact with boys and girls in our classrooms on Sunday and on Wednesday nights whenever we have them. I believe in you. You can do this. I know you can. I believe in you. You can count on me. I'll be there for you. I promise. I will be there for you. You can count on me. I, you, you are treasured. What you bring to this classroom is important and you are treasured. You are treasured. Sometimes I have to say no to you. But it's not because I don't love you. Because I love you. These are words that kids need to hear. And I hope it's been helpful for you to consider as you go back and interact and minister with the boys and girls in your church. Any questions? Any more good ones? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege of working with boys and girls. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this weekend. God, I pray that the things that we've learned in these sessions and we'll still learn yet in the large group session in a minute, God, that you'll take them with, that we'll be able to take them back to our classrooms, to our uh, ministries, to our opportunities to interact with boys and girls. God, I pray that you would use us in a magnificent way to help boys and girls see your love for them to know that they can count on you that you treasure them that they're loved god i pray that you'd help us to be your hands and your feet to the boys and girls in our churches in christ's name amen, amen. thank you